Welcome to Have Hope, Will Travel. I'm your host, Katie Axelson. These last few weeks, we've been talking about what it looks like to live like Jesus, to love like Jesus, and to look like Jesus. We've talked about how Jesus encourages, he supports, and he heals. In episode seven, we shared some practical stories of what that could look like in your life and in my life. But today, we've got a slightly different perspective of what it looks like to live like Jesus. When I was in college, I went into the campus minister's office one day, crying about something that had happened in my life that was less than ideal. He listened and he hugged me and he did all those wonderful things that a campus minister is supposed to do for a college student. And then he said some words I'll never forget. He said, sometimes we pray that we want to live like Jesus and we forget that Jesus was rejected. If I could insert the mind blown emoji right here, I would do that. Because we think that looking like Jesus means that things are going to end well and in our favor. And on a larger scale, it's true, because we do play for Team Jesus, and we're on the winning team. Ultimately, at the end of life, we win. But that doesn't mean our life is going to turn out the way we expect it to. It doesn't mean life is going to be easy or without bumps in the road. Sometimes we think living like Jesus means we're always pleasant and agreeable. And then we remember he turned over tables in the temple, and we figure he was just hangry and having a bad day. But actually... Living like Jesus doesn't mean our life is going to be perfect and easy. In fact, following Jesus often means the opposite. We forget that Jesus died because he was too radical for the culture he was in, and they decided the appropriate punishment for him was the death penalty. And that's what he calls us to do. Throughout the Gospels, we see little lines like the one in Matthew 21, when the chief priests and the Pharisees heard Jesus' parables They knew he was talking about them. They looked for a way to arrest him, but they were afraid of the crowds because the people held that he was a prophet. Or a few chapters later in Matthew 26, it says, When Jesus had finished saying these things, he said to his disciples, As you know, the Passover is two days away, and the Son of Man will be handed over to be crucified. Then the chief priests and the elders of the people assembled in the palace of the high priest, whose name was Caiaphas. They plotted to arrest Jesus in some sly way and kill him. But not during the feast, they said, or there may be a riot among the people. I'm not so sure I want to look like Jesus anymore. Because dying to myself and my culture is hard work. It goes straight against the do-what-makes-you-happy mindset that's actually really toxic for us as Christians. Living like Jesus often means doing what's hard rather than what makes us happy. Living like Jesus goes against the self-care mindset that we believe we're all entitled to. I know, unpopular opinion alert, but I need you to listen because I think it is important to take care of yourself. But it's not like Jesus to care for yourself at the expense of others. If you're using self-care as an excuse to not love someone else well, I'm sorry, I don't think you look like Jesus. You look more like Jesus when you create healthy boundaries and give of yourself within those boundaries. You look more like Jesus when you put the needs of others over your own preferences. I have a friend who was really excited when I launched this podcast. She felt really strongly that it needed to be transcribed. I wholeheartedly agree with her, but I also know the pressure of trying a new medium and learning to produce as well as marketing a brand new podcast meant some things needed to be dropped. And at the beginning, there would be no transcript of Have Hope, Will Travel, but it was an important future goal. I said if she was willing to volunteer to transcribe it, we could reach that goal sooner. 
She could have said, that's actually what I do for a living. I'd love to help. Here are my rates. Instead, she said, I have the skill set you need and I would love to volunteer. So we set some boundaries of how long of a turnaround time she needed, what my expectations were in having a transcript, and when we'd reassess to see how things were going. If there's ever not a transcript for Have Hope Will Travel, it's because I didn't meet our agreement. This woman is a professional. She's giving of her time and of her talents because she believes in the message of Have Hope Will Travel. Have you seen the transcripts? If you haven't, they're at katieaxelson.com, and they're incredible. She looks like Jesus to me. I shared a story on Instagram the other day of when I walked into the kitchen at work and my coworker was making quesadillas. I commented on how good they smelled. Good self-care would have been for her to say, oh, do you want one? The skillet is hot. Here's the spatula. Instead, she died to herself and asked if I wanted one. Did I want one? Of course I did. John the Baptist teaches about this exact moment, actually. He says, let the one who has two quesadillas give to the one who has none. That might be the Katie interpretation of Luke 3. Or what about the time when I was on a mission trip and I woke up every day exhausted? I wanted to stay in bed and catch up on sleep. But instead, I used my first breath every morning to whisper a desperate prayer. Holy Spirit, I can't do this again. I need your help. I need you to show up. And do you know what happened? Every day, he showed up. It was one of my favorite trips. And that's all fine and dandy, but these are still positive stories of looking like Jesus. Sometimes, actually oftentimes, looking like Jesus doesn't play out so well. Friend, I've literally lost jobs because I've wanted to make decisions that I felt looked more like Jesus than the organization desired to look like Jesus. We regularly found ourselves at an impasse where I wanted to live generously and the organization wanted to stick to the strict budget. It didn't work. We ended up cutting ties. It wasn't pleasant and it wasn't easy. Part of what made Jesus so radical is the company he chose to keep. He chose to hang out with sinners, prostitutes, tax collectors, lepers. He hung out with people the rest of society rejected. What does that look like in our world today? I think it looks like hanging out with members of the LGBTQ community. I think it looks like being friends with people who have HIV and AIDS. I think it looks like reaching out to the person that's not often reached out to, the person that society has set aside, the person who sits alone at church or at lunch, the single mother who's struggling to make ends meet, the woman who lost her husband last year or two years ago, or five years ago. The grandma and grandpa, the nursing home that no one visits. The children in foster care. These might seem like some extreme examples, but I bet there's somebody in your world that fits one of those categories. And I bet it takes a little bit of inconvenience, but there's an opportunity right in front of you. I have a friend who's a nurse, and she was working with a patient who was HIV positive. And at one point, she was chatting with the patient, and she set her hand on his hand, skin to skin. And the patient stopped and looked at her and said, do you know what you just did? And she goes, yeah, I know what I just did. I just put my hand on your hand. And he goes, you know I'm HIV positive, right? And she goes, yeah, I know. We're not doing anything blood-related right now. 
I can touch your skin. And all of a sudden, he felt human again. Because she looked like Jesus. A couple years ago, I did some ministry in a closed country. And the law said that I couldn't share the gospel. But it also said that I could answer every question honestly. Which meant you better believe I found a way to work the name of Jesus into every single answer I gave. How are you today? Good, because Jesus loves me. Okay, it wasn't really that extreme. But it shocked me at how often I wanted to bring up the name of Jesus simply because I couldn't. When here in America, I hesitate to bring it up. I don't want to talk about Jesus sometimes it feels like. I would rather just keep my religion to myself. But in this closed country where I couldn't share the gospel, all of a sudden I wanted to be an evangelist. And it changed the way I answer questions here in the States. When people ask me what I'm doing for the weekend, I don't just brush off, oh, I'm going to church because it's what I do every single weekend. I say, I'm really excited to go to church. Maybe I know there's a certain topic that we're talking about, or maybe I'm going to see some friends that I've never seen before, or maybe I just simply expect God to show up. And that's worth celebrating and telling other people about. You don't have to be in their face about it, but it's fair to share what you're excited about. And when you're excited about Jesus, it shows. I know we usually begin our time together reading scripture, but this time I want to end it because I want this story to be the one that's on your mind as you go throughout the rest of the day and as you figure out what this is going to look like in your own life. So today we're in Matthew 26. Jesus has been praying in the Garden of Gethsemane and he's just about to be killed. He knows that, but no one else does. I'm reading the Passion Translation today. It's one that I have just discovered and is quickly becoming one of my favorites. You can follow along starting in verse 47. At that moment, Judas, his once trusted disciple, appeared along with a large crowd of men armed with swords and clubs. They had been sent to arrest Jesus by the order of the ruling priests and the Jewish religious leaders. Now Judas, the traitor, had been arranged to give them a signal that would identify Jesus for what he had told them. Jesus is the one whom I kiss, so grab him quickly. Judas quickly stepped up to Jesus and said, Shalom, Rabbi. And he kissed him on both cheeks. My beloved friend, Jesus said, is this why you have come? Then the armed men seized Jesus to arrest him. But one of the disciples pulled out a dagger and swung it at the servant of the high priest, slashing off his ear. Jesus said to him, put your dagger away, for those who embrace violence will die by violence. Don't you realize I could ask my heavenly father for angels to come at any time to deliver me? And instantly he would answer me by sending 12 armies of angelic hosts to come and protect us. But that would thwart the prophetic plan of God. For it has been written, and it would happen this way. Then Jesus turned to the mob and said, Why do you arrest me with swords and clubs as though I were an outlaw? Day after day I sat in the temple courts with you, teaching the people, yet you did not arrest me. But all of this fulfills the prophecies of the scriptures. At this point, all the disciples ran away and abandoned him. A couple things jump out in the scripture to me. Jesus knew what Judas was doing from the very beginning. Judas didn't surprise Jesus. Jesus wasn't thrown off by this sudden plan. Jesus chose to call Judas a disciple, chose to travel with him, chose to love him for three years, 
knowing that this is how it would end. And even in that moment, when Jesus knows he's about to lose his life, he still stops to heal the ear. He pauses in that moment. And Jesus is himself. He heals. It cost him something. It cost him time. It cost him energy. But he decides that in that moment, as if this were an argument, he's going to side with his captors rather than his disciple. Do you notice he rebukes the disciple? He's not afraid to correct people, even those he's teaching himself. And he chooses to heal. And the scripture ends with disciples running away from him and abandoning him. So that's the challenge that I've got for you this week. What does it look like to live like Jesus when it costs you something? When it's not easy? When you're going to lose some friendships? When you're brushing up against the law? When you're brushing up against a health risk? Touching skin to skin someone that may not get touched otherwise? What does it look like to die to yourself? To love Jesus? It doesn't have to be complicated, but I want you to put yourself out there and risk yourself for someone else. Risk sharing the name of Jesus, knowing that it could end up being rejected. For me, one of the simplest things is when people ask why I moved to Minnesota. They ask where I'm from, and I tell them. And then they ask if I went to college here, and I didn't. And so then they ask, how did you get here? And I think they're curious about what brings people to their state. And so I give them the honest answer. Jesus did. I'd been living abroad as a missionary and was looking for a place to land. I had a friend who owned a townhouse here. She needed someone to live in it for a season. And so I said I would. It was supposed to be a three-month move. Five years later, I'm still here because of Jesus. So my friends, I want you to find a way this week to look like Jesus, to love like Jesus, to talk about Jesus, to celebrate what he's doing in your life, to celebrate what he's teaching you, to celebrate how you look more and more like him every day. Thank you for listening. If you found this podcast helpful, I would love if you would jump over to iTunes and Spotify, give it a rating and a review. That's how others will find it as well. Feel free to check out the show notes and the transcript. You can find him at katieaxelson.com. We'll see you again in two weeks. Have a good night.